There's not many games left on the Michigan Wolverines football schedule. Just two, as a matter of fact, the number six ranked Michigan team in the college football playoff rankings. Their hopes and dreams are still in front of them, but no trap game can get in their way either. That's what the Maryland Terrapins represent on Saturday afternoon. The Maryland team, they got off to a hot start this year, and they have cooled down significantly of late. But I'm here with somebody who knows all about the ins and outs of the Maryland team. I'm speaking with Jacob Richmond. He is a men's basketball and football reporter for the independent student newspaper of the University of Maryland, the Diamondback. How are we doing today, Jacob? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on, Trevor. We're really glad to have you on. Jacob's going to be at the game on Saturday, so be sure to give Jacob a follow on Twitter, at Jacob H. Richmond. But Jacob, yeah, let's talk about Maryland. Let's talk about their season in totality. As I said, they started out the year 4-0. They had wins over West Virginia, Howard, Illinois, Kent State, but then things turned for the worst, really. Um, they lost 51-14 to Iowa. They lost 66-17 against Ohio State. Lost to Minnesota. Narrowly beat IU 38-35. Lost to Penn State. Lost to Michigan State. They've lost five out of their last six. They're now 5-5 five and five on the year. Of course, if they beat either Michigan or Rutgers, they get to go to a bowl game. So there are still things to play for. There has been some bright spots this season, but can you just tell us the good and bad of this year and what's went into the five and five record? Yeah, as you mentioned, you know they started really hot. You know, it's a team that was coming off a season where they only ended up playing about five games in totality, and you know they were glimpses of how good the team could be. But you know, with a fresh start, I think they were ready to get going, and winning those first four games was was huge. But then when it came to uh, conference play, as the competition got tougher and a uh, big thing from the season has been injuries as the team had more wear and tear uh it's just big you know it's been tough for them to to keep up with the team with teams like ohio state teams like uh iowa uh you know they've had uh, tons of injuries to their uh receiving group which was arguably one of the best in the country at the start of the season but now it's it's been uh it's been wrecked through with injuries so i think that's kind of where they got to this point uh, but as you said, you know, there's two chances left. I think you go back to the beginning of the season, being bowl eligible was, was the number one priority. And, you know, they're one game away. Yeah, and you hit on the injuries, which I was going to ask about next, but what is the injury situation looking like for this game? Who do they have? Who do they not have? <laughs> so, as they, you know, they've been without uh, and full their wide receivers for the past couple weeks. They're top, two of their top options in um, – Dante Demas and Jayshon Jones. Well, last week, Marcus Fleming uh, was injured in the Michigan State game, and he is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, I believe he had surgery earlier this week, although it's um, it was going to require him to miss the rest of the season. It's not supposedly going to be a long-term injury. Um, and then uh, Kim Jarrett, their, other, um, their main receiver at this point, uh, has been kind of battling with some injuries, you know, just at this point in the season, so much wear and tear, um, you know, Coach Loxley has said that, you know, they're still trying to get him up to, to full health, but that there's no official word if he would miss any time. Um, I wouldn't expect he will, but it's something to definitely keep an eye on. And then um, in terms of the defense, you know, that's that's where the majority of the injuries have been 
uh, for the season, and it's been throughout every phase of the defense. Um, cornerback injuries, the linebacker room uh, looks incredibly different than it did at the start of the season. Uh, Panaji Gote was out early, and uh, injuries to Brandon Jennings, a young player who's performed really well when he's been healthy, but hasn't been healthy every week. So, um, you know, I think the only new uh, addition to the injury report this week is Marcus Fleming. Uh, who will for sure be out, but, um, you know, some there are going to be some game-time decisions for sure. Now, obviously, the Maryland depth chart receiver, highly banged up. Even the healthy guys, it sounds like, are a bit banged up, as you said. Uh, obviously, Talia Tagovailoa has had a good season. 69% completions percentage. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. We'll get to his scouting report in a second, but how... How do you feel about his chances of doing things consistently productive against Michigan, a pretty good defense, without some of his top weapons? You know, it's been pretty incredible to watch him do what he's done this year, not having every receiving option he thought would be available. He's finding, you know, uh, help and from everywhere, you know, including uh, the running backs. Um, Taylor Fleet Davis is an excellent pass catching back. Uh, Chiga Conquo uh, is top tight end in the past two weeks. He has absolutely exploded. Um, so, you know, he's still able to find production no matter really who's receiving for him. You know, I think that you look at some of these games and you think, well, if Dante Demas had been here, he could have turned this slant route into a, you know, 65-yard touchdown because that's just how strong of a player he is, and they haven't quite had that. And I think that that definitely plays a role in where they're at uh, record-wise. But uh, Talia has pretty much not slowed down. I think the only, you know, the Iowa game, which is the game where Demas uh, went down, is really his only bad performance on the air. There have been performances that weren't spectacular, and he maybe had a rough quarter here or there. But, um, you know, he's having just a tremendous season, and he's, he's – getting pretty close to having arguably the best statistical season for a Maryland quarterback in history. Yeah, and could you just uh, hit on a brief scouting report of him, the good and bad to his game? Because obviously a, a ton to like. As I said, 10 interceptions. Five of those were in one game, though, so that needs to be taken mm-hmm. into consideration. Uh, yeah, just give us a scouting report. Yes, yeah, so Tulia has gotten, and he has gotten increasingly better throughout the season. His bread and butter is really quick passes, um, little slant routes, little curl routes, and, you know, just allowing his receivers some time to make plays. Uh, but he's never been afraid to go for a, uh, an all-or-nothing pass, especially with some of the receiving options he has. Carlos Carrier comes to mind uh, as of late. Um, you know, I'd say that the biggest issue in his game this season has just been momentary lapses that you kind of get when you're still a young quarterback. You know, this really being his first full season as a starter. Um, you know, you look at uh, the Michigan State game last week. He had marched the team down, this, uh, you know, early on in the second half, uh, all the way inside the 20, and through a pretty bad interception well behind his receiver that was just never going to make it there. Sometimes he, you know, he really likes to chase points when they're when they're down in a game, um, and they're still kind of really looking for a comeback victory where he gets to show off that he can really lead the team when they're down. But um, I'd say that's his the, the biggest fault in his game is that sometimes he just he tries to earn too much back at once, and he ends up throwing a pick or making a costly error. Um, moving to the other side of the ball, Maryland's defense they rank ninety first in total defense, hundred uh, fifth in passing yards allowed. Obviously, Michigan, they've showed that they can pass the ball efficiently. 
However, the strength of their game powered them to this point is their running game. Maryland ranks 77th in rushing defense. Uh, my question to you is, what are the biggest weaknesses of the Maryland defensive unit? Obviously, you said they had a bunch of injuries. What are their biggest weaknesses, and what would you say are their biggest strengths? Yes, for weaknesses, I think there's kind of two main spots where it's been this season. It's uh, on the edge, the, de- the defensive ends. It's, uh, again, been hampered with injuries, but um, they've just had a lot of trouble dealing with uh, opposing teams' uh, tackles, and they've been run all over by teams like Michigan State and uh, Minnesota, people with big lines. Um, but then the other uh, area I think that they really need, would, uh, have really been struggling with this season is uh, their defensive backs. Again, another group that has a lot of injuries, but I think the biggest uh, issues have been twofold. One is that they went five games without you know, getting a turnover. Uh, they finally broke that streak last week with an interception, but um, you know, Coach Loxley preach, preaches a lot about how important winning the turnover battle is, and they've not really been anywhere close. And then um, they've also struggled, struggled with finishing tackles. That's why you had someone like Kenneth Walker. I mean, obviously a tremendous player, but um, he was able to run get into the backfield and then explode for even more because the defensive backs just weren't able to complete those tackles and stop run, uh, stop them from getting further down the field. And this is just to our viewers, uh, listeners, the Maryland defense, uh, the red zone defense ranks 51st, which isn't too bad, but their red zone offense, Maryland's, ranks 123rd. So we'll see if either of those can help them or hurt them in this one. Last question for you, Jacob. What are your predictions? How are you feeling about this one? I'm definitely leaning towards this one uh, going to Michigan. It's just tough to see Maryland being able to compete with a team that feels so complete. Um, you know, it's senior day, and I, you know the team has talked about how desperately they want to get bowl eligible and how much it means to them to be able to do it at home. I have to wait until next week against Rutgers. Um, so, I, you know, I think Maryland's offense, they, they're always good for a handful of touchdowns, but the defense is probably going to give up 30-plus points. So I'm probably going to go with uh, 31-17 to uh, Michigan. And I actually got a bonus question for you. Just thought of it. <clears throat> Maryland head coach Mike Loxley, he said something this week I found interesting. You've been around Loxley more in his press conferences and all that. You have a, a better sense of his personality. Uh, Loxley, he gave Michigan some good compliments this week, but he did say something I found a little compelling that you don't hear a coach say when he's going to play a team in a few days. But Loxley was saying about the Big Ten East, how he thinks it's going to come down to Michigan and Ohio State. Here's the quote. He said, it will come down to the game behind our game. I think they play Ohio State the week after us. Not to put that in their head, but they have a big game coming up. So, for one, if Michigan is playing Ohio State for the Big Ten East, that means they would have beaten Maryland. Two, Loxley's mentioned a game that Michigan has, not this Saturday, but the Saturday after that. So my question to you is, knowing Loxley a bit, being around him, do you think that's more of an off-the-cuff, honest answer, or do you think it's kind of a, a trap game tactic? I think that's probably just more off the cuff. I, I don't think that was necessarily a tactical thought. You know, I know he, it's. I think it was a little strange hearing it from him because he's normally so focused purely on his next game and the team. Or so, you know, the, it's hard to get them to talk about you know any game after the one right in front of them. So I have a feeling that was probably more off the cuff. But 
um, you know, co- you know, he he does like to talk about coachisms occasionally. So that could have just been one of them for him trying to get in the heads of a. Uh, of the Michigan team. Yeah, it's funny that the Michigan fans are definitely kind of up in the air about it. Some people saying sounds genuine to me. It'd be pretty silly if he thought that made a difference. Other people are saying not buying it. He knows what he's doing. So you know how people are on Twitter. And uh, but the blowback's not too bad. It's more an all in good fun. Uh, but hey, Jacob, you want to tell people where they can find your work and find you on Twitter? Yes, you can find my work at uh, dbknews.com. Uh, in the sports section, and then you can find me on Twitter at Jacob H. Richmond. All right. Well, thanks again to Jacob, and thanks to all you who listen to our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and pretty much wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Once again, this is Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Mason Brew, and I'll catch up with all you fine folks at the conclusion of the Michigan at Maryland game for the post-game reaction podcast. Take care.